listeners. Thank you for flying with us between the worlds of art and magic, between the worlds of reality and dreams, between the worlds of myth and labor. Today, we'll be talking about what you can expect in 2020, the year of the emperor, the mighty, the powerful, the problematic. And we'll be talking to one of our favorite witches, who's built an astrology empire herself, Jessica Lanyado. Our circle is cast, so stay with us as we travel between the worlds. Hello listeners, our brand new Emperor Workshop is now available to help you learn to utilize the energy of the Emperor in a healthy way, get organized, focused, and able to share your vision with the world in 2020. You'll find a link in the show notes. If you're a covener at the $21 level, you'll find the course in your inbox. Enjoy. Between the Worlds podcast. We are so happy to be with you. I am your host, Amanda Yates Garcia, and I'm sitting here with my behind the scenes co host and producer, Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. And we're coming to you from her cozy little house in Los Feliz, Los Angeles today, snuggled in to talk to you all about the Emperor and what the card of the year means for you in 2020. Thank you, all of you, so much for those of you who've stayed with us as we've molted, as we've shed our caterpillar skins of strange magic. We are so glad that you are a part of this. We cannot even tell you. And I can't wait to see what it becomes and how it grows. One of the things we're really excited about is more listener involvement. So stay tuned as we roll out some exciting new offerings related to that over the coming weeks and months. So this is an emperor year. Now that we're all together, let's leap into what the emperor year is all about. We're talking about tarot numerology. So numerology is a system of divination based on numbers and their meanings and associations as symbols. To get the numerological number for a year, you add up all the numbers in the year to get the base number. So this year, it's two plus two. Obviously, the zeros don't count, which means when we add 2 plus 2 in 2020, we get 4. Yes, we did it. Accomplished it. Um, Side note, you can do this for anything. For instance, you can get the numerology for the date of your wedding, your birthday. You can get it for your address. We might have to do a whole episode on, on all of that at some point. But in the meantime, in tarot, in the major arcana which are the 22 archetypal cards that make a tarot deck a tarot deck rather than just a regular deck of playing cards, the number four corresponds to the emperor. That is why we're calling 2020 the emperor year. So who is this emperor? What is an emperor? And should we be worried? Back in the olden days, when Between the Worlds was called Strange Magic... We did a whole episode on the emperor, episode number eight, called The Emperor, Creating the World You Want. But I'm going to spend a little time here talking about the history of the card because I think it's relevant to how we work with the emperor energy throughout this year. In pop culture, historically, 
When we think of empire, we might think of, for instance, the movies Empire of the Sun, The Last Emperor, 1492, Spartacus, I, Claudius, the show Empire, of course. (laughs) Carolyn's reminding me. (laughs) We might also think of Alexander the Great, the Greek emperor. We might think of Tsarina Catherine the Great from Russia, the Holy Roman Empire, the Aztec and Incan empires, the dynasties of China, the Mughal Empire in India and Pakistan. I'm also thinking of the phrase, the sun never sets on the British Empire, meaning basically that the British had colonized basically the entire world. So there was no place at any time where the sun wasn't shining on the British Empire. That's what that meant. One thing we notice with all of this is that empire is not about the little people. For the past two to 3,000 years, empire, wherever we find it, is about consolidating power for the use and enjoyment of the people at the top. So I just want to give you a moment to think about that and sort of connect the dots here. We're saying this year is an emperor year. And historically, empire has been about consolidating power for the people at the top, namely the emperor himself, as it was usually, though not always, a him, and for his lords and ladies and priests and cronies and families, etc., Since we can easily see how power today in our democracy acts the same way as it did in Roman times, or even as it did in the earliest empires, if we rewind the tape and go back to the very first empire was the Akkadian Empire in Mesopotamia. The Akkadians conquered the area through war and conquest, and their empire lasted for about 200 years, and then it fell. Guess how it fell? It fell to famine. People couldn't access food. They had overfarmed drought due to human-caused environmental devastation, invasion from people that they had attacked in the north who were coming back for them, and environmental collapse. So it seems essentially like it fell due to mismanagement and exploitation of resources, which I think sounds pretty familiar to all of us. So I hope that you're sticking with me here. This kind of stuff is all really important if we want to internalize the qualities of what we are being called to rise to and think about here in this emperor year, what we're being called to think about for ourselves and what we're being called to think about as a collective, as a species. So let's just go into some of the details here, some of the building blocks here, so we can really figure this out together. An emperor is a ruler, a monarch. But an emperor is usually considered to be more powerful than a king because he doesn't just rule one kingdom. An emperor has an empire, which he usually gets through conquest and colonization, right? So in our understanding of what an emperor is, is a king who has multiple kingdoms. But as we all know, the laws of empire are not written for or by the people most impacted by the laws, nor by those who are most vulnerable to them. Okay, so I'm going to get into some alternatives for us in a minute here. But first, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. When the tarot was created, no one was going to create an emperor card that was critical of the emperor. Why not? Because the emperor would not like that and would probably have them killed. So you don't want to publicly say, emperors suck. Let's all be anarchist witches. Even if that was what you were secretly and rightly thinking, like I know you all would be, nobody was going to say that in the 15th century. So that's not really what the card was built to mean. We're, we're really reevaluating and interrogating some of the meanings of this card. And really, we're creating them. We're living them. And so this year, in this emperor year, we're being called to live these archetypes. We're being called to expand it, to wrestle with it in our own lives personally, and to wrestle with it collectively. And I know that we're already in this kind of heavy place with this because we're talking about flooding. We're talking about fire. We're talking about potentially world war. And I would love it if we could all just, you know, hold hands and 
talk about love and light, but that's not the place that we're in. So that's why I'm bringing this up so that we can all find our strength in this and, and work together in systems of mutual support. Just going back to history a little bit, when the tarot was first created, because the tarot was created for the enjoyment of the wealthy, because they were the only ones who could afford hand-printed paper or playing cards, the emperor represented things like nobility, unassailable power. Often, the emperor card depicted the emperor himself on a throne with animals like the eagle, which was the crest of many a European emperor. And in fact, we still have it as the crest of the United States today, right? The emperor also represented holiness, order, engineering, effective distribution of resources, peace, and good governance. In other words, the idea of what an emperor was and what that meant was definitely written by the winners. <laughs> we could see that the people who thought empire was a good idea were the ones who were writing about what an empire was or an emperor was. But here's an interesting side note by the tarot historian Robert M. Place. On many early depictions of the emperor card, you see a two-headed eagle or two eagles facing opposite directions because there was this ancient myth about Zeus, the king or emperor of the gods, letting two eagles fly in opposite directions. They were supposed to fly around the earth and meet each other face to face. And these eagles represented the emperor and the empress in the original cards. And they fly in opposite directions. And when they meet, they find center or union in the world card. Because that's what the whole trajectory of the tarot is aiming for. This union in the world card. The union of opposites represented the alchemical quest. So these two eagles were flying together to meet face and face. The masculine, the feminine, the yin, the yang. Place writes that these eagles represented the red king and the white queen. To get their mystical goal, alchemists believe that the red king and the white queen must be separated, purified, and brought back together. And the way I see this is that the emperor, which is power, or the red king, that kind of martial, Aries-oriented, fiery energy, the red king energy, has been separated from compassion and love known in alchemy as the white queen, i.e. the empress. And you can see this in a lot of alchemical images. Anyway, so right now it's our job as individuals and collectively to figure out a way to bring them back together, to bring power and love or power and compassion back together. And that, my friends, is what this year is all about for you personally, for me personally, for all of us personally as individuals, and then for all of us collectively across the world. That's what we're trying to figure out how to do together this year. So... What does this mean for you? What does the emperor mean for you? For number one. <laughs> Let's get specific about this. On a basic level, the emperor card refers to power, authority, law, stability, wisdom, leadership, and quote unquote, the father. I just want to give you a moment to think, how do I feel about those words? Check in with yourself right now, because you're going to be dealing with this, all of those themes, all of us are on a daily basis for the next 12 months. So let's start with power. The scientific definition of power is the amount of energy available to do work. In other words, to transform something. So the power in your home which comes from either fossil fuels or renewable resources, does things like turns the lights on in your house, keeps your computer running, turns on your stove or your refrigerator, all of these things that keep your life stable or keep your home running. And all of that is work. If your refrigerator doesn't work, it means it doesn't keep things cold. It doesn't use the power in the right way. Like it doesn't function. And we don't think very often about where the power to do those things comes from. But it's important for us right now when we're considering what the emperor is doing for us or how it's going to be relating to us personally to think about where does your power come from? 
Now, in the world of new age spirituality, we often use this word power. We say step into your power. But what does that really mean? Essentially, what it means is your ability to do meaningful work or to sustain your life force. On a basic level, your power comes from the food that you eat, for instance. It comes from your body. It comes from how much rest you get. It comes from your ability to sustain your body and mind in a way that keeps you in good working order. On a collective level, power really comes from access to resources. So it's about access to the collective body of the earth, essentially, since all of our resources come from the earth. And who has power is the person or people with the most access or ability to, quote unquote, exploit those resources. But right now, what we're looking at is finding different ways of working with those resources instead of thinking of them as resources, thinking of them as collective, sacred things to steward. I also wanted to quickly touch on this word work. When I say refrigerator works or doesn't work or we work, you know, that we need power in order to do work. I know that a lot of us have a lot of resentment towards the word work, but I don't mean work in a pejorative sense, right? I don't mean it like, oh, I hate my job. I mean it really in the most positive sense about your purpose in this life the work that you are here to do. Now, not everyone believes that we're here for a purpose, which is fair, but I do because I find that it's helpful for me to believe that. I find that to believe that gives me energy and focus and helps me overcome despair when the world gets too overwhelming, when I check back in and say, well, what am I here to do? And, and how can I find a way to do that? For me, it helps. But so back to this power idea. During the emperor year, we all have the opportunity to deeply reevaluate our relationship to power, authority, work, stability, and purpose. Now, these are things that I know all of you are thinking about because so many of my clients come to me talking about these very things. You know, what is their purpose in this world? What is their path? Do they have the authority to do what they want to do? Are they able to transform the, their lives in the way that they want to? And also dealing with feelings of powerlessness, for instance. So for the health of our planet and all the beings on it, and for our own personal health in our own lives, we really do need to rise to this occasion right now that the emperor year is inaugurating. It's, it's actually really exciting, but it's not going to be easy. And that's okay, because I know that we're equal to this. Like, we've got this. So I want to talk for a minute about what this means for me personally in the hopes that it might kickstart you to think about how you'd like to run emperor energy in your own life. So as I was doing the emperor meditation that goes with this season's Between the Worlds workshop, I found that I kept resisting the emperor. Like, I just have a deep resistance to and anger towards authority figures. I don't want to have anything to do with empire. I think it's brutal, immoral. I resist authority. I think it's often unearned or abused. I think probably many of you share that feeling. And when I was in the working world, in my 20s especially, I had so many bad bosses Looking around now, I see so many horrible leaders exploiting, manipulating, hurting kids, trashing the planet. And I was like, how can I accept this energy? I don't want emperor energy. And why, why would I want to channel emperor energy? Why would any of us want to do that? Well, I would want to because the emperor energy, if we can remove all of the colonialist, imperial, like white supremacist muck that's been imposed on the emperor archetype by human beings, is about organization. It's about sustainability and vitality. Forests, for instance, think about, you know, the woods are organized. Everything works in flow, in harmony. Even solar systems are organized. There's an order to the universe and that order is necessary because if there weren't order, there would just be a big mess and no cohesion and everything would just be floating around like corks on the top of the ocean. So the emperor is that order and through that order, 
the function of the emperor is to distribute power or energy so that we can make things work just like mycelium do in the forest floor, right? It's about redistributing energy. That's something I want. (laughs) I want that in my life. I want my life to be organized. I want the distribution of resources to happen for me so that I can do the meaningful work that I'm here to do. And I think probably most of you out there do too. You want that as well. So the trouble is, of course, as my high school history teacher, who was also the wrestling coach, used to say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So the question for us now is, is it possible to encounter power, to use power, to be in power, to let power run through us without being corrupted by it? And so on a daily basis, you're going to be answering this question, how to use the resources that are available to you, how to keep yourself vital, how to keep yourself alive and thriving, and how to do that in concert with your community. And this year is calling us all to figure that out, to really rise and look at that carefully and become our own authorities and share that power with others. In struggling with my concept of the emperor through this meditation, as I was even preparing this talk for y'all, I found it helpful to imagine the emperor as two things. Number one, natural phenomena. The ancient sequoia redwood trees, for instance, that sustain their ecosystems. At 2,000 years old, they are among the oldest living beings on the planet. And so imagining the emperor as a tree that has been a steward of the land for the past 2,000 years made it easier for me to connect with the idea of authority or power than if I'm thinking of even some of our most celebrated leaders, because every time we try and find like a healthy emperor energy, we're thwarted by finding out that the person that we're looking to is actually human and fallible and perhaps even corrupted on some levels. So I also like thinking about the emperor as an alpha wolf, as an elk, a bison, or even as a mountain, something strong and stable and millions of years old. And by doing that, it helps me to connect to that power and authority energy without having it be sullied by the worldly and corruptible aspects of human nature. Secondly, This is something that I think is really important for all of us is the emperor as the wise elder. Now, for those of us who don't have a lot of models for wise elders, this can be difficult. Even for me, like every time I started thinking about a wise elder, I'm like, but what if they turn out to be abusive? (laughs) Like, I can't think of what I don't want to be in a room with some like wise elder. It scares me (laughs) because we have so many bad experiences with it collectively. But our civilization and maybe civilization for the past 3000 years has seriously had a shortage of wise elders in power because we need more than ever our wise elders. Like our children are not the ones who should be doing this work. You know, I also think about, of course, how we want the wise elder to provide stability. And I know that a lot of us feel nervous even about the word stability because it can be a dog whistle for like law and order or racist, sexist, xenophobic oppression. But we actually do need stability to be able to really thrive as earthlings. If things are chaotic all the time, we don't know where our rent is going to come from. We don't know where our food is going to come from. Like we're just kind of on the road all the time. It it can be really difficult to do the things you want to do with your life, to create anything, to enjoy things. But because the world is so unstable and the forces of oppression are always gathering around us, finding new ways to cause harm, even to implicate us in that harm, since if we aren't fighting it, we're a part of it, it really sometimes feels like the corrupt emperors of the world are always calling the shots for us. And they get to decide what we focus on and when. They get to decide how we live our lives, what jobs we do, and where we direct our energy right? It's the way we live our life is fundamentally influenced by this emperor energy. And I feel like this year too, with Saturn, Pluto coming into conjunction, Saturn, like the old man, and Pluto, this kind of death transformational underworld thonic figure coming together right after a lunar eclipse, 
in Capricorn, which is also that elder energy, we are all being called to really say no more, to really step up and become our own inner elders. Because, you know, if no one followed Trump, he'd have no power. His power only exists because other people let it exist. So in our lives this year, we'll be looking for ways to access power so that we can create stable environments for us to thrive. We are being called to become wise elders. When we access healthy emperor energy, when we access that wise emperor energy, that wise elder energy, we feel a sense of purpose. I think all of us could appreciate that. Also, we don't procrastinate because we're not constantly doubting ourselves. We're more able to access the resources we need to sustain ourselves while we work to sustain the planet and the most vulnerable people on it. So how do we do this, though? Like, what are the practical steps that we can take here? Because stepping into our power is a rather abstract idea, but we have all year to work on this and think about this. So for me... I will be building an emperor altar. I think this is really important and tending to it throughout the year because I really need to re-envision my relationship to authority and power. This is like really one of my fundamental issues. Coming up close to feeling my power and then backing away from it because I reject the idea of what it means. I think probably a lot of us feel that way. So I'm going to be putting pictures of the giant sequoia on my altar. I will be reaching out to and learning from wise elders and I will be writing down what they say in my book of shadows and I will be doing meditations on this subject and I will be listening during these meditations to the guidance that I get from the emperor spirit as he tries to find a new way to exist in this world through us. You know, one of the ways that we've really misunderstood and misused emperor energy historically is that emperors tend to hoard all the resources at the top for the few people who are in power. But as we now are reinterpreting what emperor energy is, which is power collectively, we're really learning how to redistribute our resources. So we're not hoarding, we're sharing, we're, we're supporting, we're moving our energy to the places that most need it. So that's going to look like donating, that might look like sacrificing, that might be like putting your body and safety and vulnerability on the line in order to support the greater ecological whole. Because what we're really being called to do this year is remember, we are not a single being, like Fred Moten says, we're, we're consenting to not be a single being. We're an earth. We are here together on it all together, which means that we can't just hoard our resources and extract and exploit we will be paying a price for that. And, you know, part of that Saturnine influence that we'll be seeing this year, you know, with Capricorn ruled by Saturn, Saturn conjunct Pluto, that's so much about karma and about paying the price for the actions that we've done in the past, both on a personal level and a collective level. So the more sober we can be about all of this, you know, the more we can just be willing to deal with and see what is here and what is being called of us, that's going to empower us. And we're not going to be afraid, even though I know that I do feel like that sometimes. And I know probably a lot of you out there do too. But the more focused we can be, the more energized, you know, the more empowered that that emperor energy will, will allow us to be empowered. Because emperor energy is healthy and necessary if we use it right. If we use it like the sequoia use it, if we use it like the, the alpha wolf of the gray wolves uses it to balance our ecosystems personally, politically, I'm excited for this. I mean, I'm, I'm bracing for it, but I'm also ready. I think we're all ready to do this work. So stay tuned. After the break, we'll be talking to famed astrologer Jessica Laniato about how to access the astrology of this new year, 2020, to step into our power and create the world we want to find. Listeners, 
We are beginning this year with a special workshop offer. The Emperor in 2020, making daddy work for you. In the workshop, you'll learn to calculate your card of the year and your soul card numerology. And you'll find out how the Emperor year will affect your soul card and your card of the year in particular. We've got exercises on how to locate your places of power, exercises to develop your intuition, a step-by-step how-to on making your own emperor altar, rituals you can do to harness the power of the emperor year to build strength and confidence and focus in 2020, and invocations, songs, and gestures you can use to call in the emperor. These are a between the worlds addition to our workshops, and we think you're going to find them special. They really help you invoke and call in that emperor energy in a healthy way. You also will get a live call with me to answer all your questions and help you get the most out of this year. This year, which is really calling us to claim our vision and share it with the world. So you're going to get all this and more. Coveners at the $21 level get the workshop as part of their subscription. In fact, they got it a few days ago. So you can join our coven and get the workshop yourself. Plus a new online forum that we're starting up soon. So stay tuned for that. Or you can buy this workshop as a one-off by visiting our website. Strangemagic.squarespace.com Bear with us as we transition. There's a lot of little bits and bobs to take care of before we get it running up to speed at Between the Worlds. But the workshop is ace. And now, dear listeners, I am so excited to introduce you to our very special first guest, inaugural guest on Between the Worlds podcast, host of Ghost of a Podcast, Jessica Lanyado. She is an amazing, life-changing astrologer. I know this because Carolyn had a reading with her and really literally said it changed her life. Um, And she also just came out with a book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. So welcome to the podcast, Jessica Lanyato. So we're here with you, Jessica Lanyato. And we have so much exciting things to talk to you about. Now, Carolyn, our producer, has said that she had a life-changing, amazing, spectacular reading with you. Life-changing. Thank you. I love to hear that. I know. she's. She often refers to this reading as life-changing. And I'm always like, why have I not been to visit this woman yet? I mean, um, hot questions. Hot questions, right? We're just go <laughs> jumping in at the deep yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But so, so she said that you do use tarot in yeah. your in your readings, even though it sounds like mainly you're an astrologer and a medium. Well, I am an astrologer, and I have been studying astro- astrology formally for as many years as I've been studying and using tarot. Um, when I was in the first maybe fifteen years of my private practice, I used the tarot really extensively. And I even did like a Tarot Tuesdays at the only lesbian bar in San Francisco for a number of years. But when my psychic abilities really developed and got stronger and stronger, the Tarot just, I felt like it really slowed me down because I didn't need the cards. So frequently what I do with the Tarot is I use it as a, a means to communicate with my guides. Mm. Um, and it's just like, it's it's a shorthand for me to communicate with them, especially in sessions. So when I do readings with people in consultation, I generally don't have them touch the cards. Um, and again, it's because I'm trying to like get as much bang for their buck as possible. And when people shuffle tarot, it can take many minutes. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, which I'm not against to trust, but I just, you know, because I can, I do. I just kind of like take control of all that part. <laughs> mm, yeah, that sounds like a, a hot daddy tip for the emperor year. Taking <laughs> Thank control you. Of yes. All of that. <laughs> yes. Hot daddy tips over here. <laughs> That's so, well, so this is exciting. This idea of you developing your psychic gifts deeply already into your life as a professional tarot reader or working, you know, essentially it sounds like as a spirit worker of some kind. What do you think it was that catalyzed those gifts developing for you? Um, 
probably they were always there. Well, I think most certainly they were always there, but I didn't, first of all, I didn't believe in psychic. Mm. I didn't think it was possible. I was like many astrologers, in particular astrologers of that time, um, the time when I first came up in the early 90s, mid 90s. Um, astrologers were just very logical. You know, astrology mm. is a study, you know, it requires intuition to synthesize effectively, but it isn't an intuitive practice. It's really like a highly detailed study and tool that you can use. So I really fixated on that. And for years, my clients would tell me that I was psychic and I'd be like, no, girl, I'm just good at astrology. Mm. That's what you misunderstand. Um, people would insist that I was psychic and I would just be like, well, people just don't know what the difference between psychic and tarot and astrology is. And through the years, now and again, people would ask me, to do psychic things. And, you know, I'd be like, no, and I had bad boundaries. And so they'd like be like, please, I believe you or I believe in you. And I'd be like, okay, well, it's your dime, but I don't think I can do this. Um, but I'll try if you want me to. And my accuracy rate was always very, very high. I, you know, was always pretty much right on. And I just chalked it up to coincidence. I really didn't believe it mm. at all, even though I had clients who believed it. And, um, eventually I had so many experiences that were evidentiary, like I couldn't look away from it. I had this very lucky experience where it was able to organically develop. My psychic abilities were able to organically develop through my consulting practice. Mm -hmm. So I had many years of counseling people through astrology and tarot under my belt before this kind of more subtle and nuanced work emerged within me so big, you know, um, and it really helped me to be, you know, to use the, the the gifts that I have. Yeah, it sounds like you were developing the scaffolding to be able to contain that kind of energy or to be able to hold and support people who you were seeing in the work that they were doing kind of organically. And then as you were able to do that more and more that it started to come through. Is that yeah. what you say? That's that? exactly that's exactly right. And and for people listening to this who are, you know, in their 20s or even their 30s, I want to say I came to the work young. Mm. And my psychic ability really, I only took ownership of it in my early 30s. And, you know, I'm right now 45. Well, I'll be 45 in a week, so let's call me 45. And the way I relate to my psychic abilities or my abilities as a medium or an animal communicator, I wouldn't have 10 years ago. And in any way, shape or form, I wouldn't have just, you know, talked about it as fluidly as I do now. And, you know, it takes time with any kind of intuitive practice, whether it's a consulting practice or a personal practice. It takes a lot of time to really deepen not just your your kind of like ability, but also your real kind of flexibility and ownership of it. If that does that make sense what I'm no, what I'm I saying? I totally get it. I mean, I talk about that with my mother, you know, she's a witch and I that's where I learned how to do that. And I always think about what I was doing in my twenties and things like that. I'm thinking, I wish I was doing the work that I'm doing now when I was in my twenties because I had a bunch of shit jobs basically. And my mom always says, you know, you couldn't have done it when you're in right. your twenties because it takes that kind of practice and grounding and and strengthening and developing of your resources to be a kind of able to hold that kind of space for people. So I Absolutely. think people have a lot of time. They have a time to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think being able to recognize that you're, you know, however old you feel, you're really in your own journey. And the beautiful thing that I hope doesn't get lost in, you know, the Instagram prettiness of the world we live in <laughs> is that witches get to be old ass bitches. I love yeah, that. I made it rhyme yes. and I didn't even plan it. It just <laughs> happened. It was just a thing that organically happened. But yeah, beautiful. we get to be old. We get to not be pretty. We get to be totally sexy and own it. We get to embody our gender, our bodies, our age kind of how we determine. And this is not true for most fields. And so, you know, if you're feeling impatient, not you, but like anyone listening, feeling impatient about your progress or your process, uh, you got nothing but time here because, you know, we're supposed to be old eventually. <laughs> you know, we kind of own that whole crone thing, you know. We do. Um, we do. You know, don't fear aging. Aging is the thing. Well, I feel like 
all our listeners are out there falling deeply in love with you right now, Jessica. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, girl. I love love. But so I want to um, go into some of the things that are particular to this year right now. For instance, one of the reasons why I wanted to know if you practice tarot is because this podcast leans heavily on the tarot and we are entering into an emperor year. Have you been thinking about that at all? You know, I don't usually use the archetype, the tarot archetypes um, as much, but I have been returning to the tarot professionally recently in a, in a new way. Um, mm. And I feel like that really lines up with the emperor year. And I will tell you as an astrologer, yeah, I've been thinking about it. Right. You know, it all lines up because it's just different access points to the same data, ultimately, right? Yeah, but I think one of the things that might be making people a little bit nervous, also a little bit excited or, or a little bit like, I don't know, just fired up to see what happens this year is that according to tarot numerology, it's an emperor year, full stop. We can't reduce it. We can't expand it. So that emperor energy of consolidation, of power, of authority, of stability, of tyranny, all of this stuff is coming to the surface. And then we enter into the year with all of this mighty Capricorn energy mm. happening as well. I wonder when you think of the emperor, if you were going to think about the quality or some of the themes that might be happening in an emperor year, what would you start off with? Oh, wow. Okay. So I would, so like my brain always instantly goes, it like splits in half. One is the social and political implications and one is the personal. Mm. On a personal level, an emperor year is so much IMO about mm you know, coming to a sense of mastery. And for me, one of the chief kind of lessons of the emperor card is that responsibility is the ability to respond. You know, the emperor is really so much about having ownership of your power and your vision and your plan and your ability without needing to have that translate into dominion. You know, you don't have to convince others. You don't have to like force others or, you know, kind of climb on top of them to show them who's who's up high or whatever. Um, that's the downside, I think, of Emperor mm -hmm. is, you know, too much Mars, too much Aries energy. But on the personal, I think it's such an empowering card and it has so much potential for coming to greater ownership of kind of I hate using masculine, feminine, and it's with the tarot, I find it harder than with astrology to evade that kind of languaging because they're represented by bodies, you know, mm -hmm. the cards. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, it's a very kind of masculine energy, and I don't mean that in a male-female way. I mean it in a, you know, like, a uh, young, like active. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like an active-passive way. And, and even the language of passive really bums me out because passive sounds like you're not doing anything, but what it really refers to is internal activation instead of external activation. Yeah, like and receptive. The, yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And so the emperor is really about that external activation and people seeing you and you needing to take responsibility for that. You know, he's the damn emperor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I love that as far as like the, the personal energy of the emperor and really seizing our power and being able to take responsibility and ownership for our own life, which is so important. One of the things that I've been really thinking about and wrestling with, um, because as you were saying that you're also thinking on that political level is and I think this relates to another question that I wanted to ask you about, which is about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction coming up, mm -hmm. is this idea of, of power and how it works. And like, if the people in power are willing to do anything, as we've seen historically is true, right? Like willing to enslave people, willing to drop atomic weapons, willing to colonize the world, then... Can other forms of power that are more like power with or power together ever hope to succeed when working against that? This is something I'm wrestling with. I don't really expect you to have yeah. an answer I have, completely. I, I have so much to say about it. I, I think it's, I mean, it's the right question. Because I, I think about this all the time, too. But what you're saying, it's the right way of thinking about it. Because we're not just dealing with, like, Trump, right? Right. Or Putin. What we're dealing with is inherited wealth and systems of power, right? Mm -hmm. We're not talking about individual people 
Well, although we can and should. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about like capitalism, right? We're talking yeah. about these insidious things that can't be undone by holding hands or by yeah. prayer alone. It just can't. What I always go back to is Hong Kong. Mm. More than six months of thousands and thousands and thousands of people protesting, not just like tweeting or whatever, but people are actually stepping onto the streets. They are coordinated. They are using art in Hong Kong. Also in Chile, there's like songs like protest songs coming forward. You know, there are ways that people are activating and coming together. But can it be done from just a podcast or just, you know, behind your computer screen? No. It does require putting yourself in the mix. And if that's not what the emperor is, I don't know what the emperor is. The emperor gets it done. He's like an activator. And I think in the context of social change and the context of us really addressing what is very clearly pressing concerns, right? Mm. Um, We have to get activated IRL. We have to get organized, right? Mm. We have to really get organized because those people who are ruthless and give no fucks. Can I say no fucks? Yeah, please say. Oh, cool. I said it twice. <laughs> we'll Let me say, say it, it thrice. No fucks. No That's right. So those those who give no fucks about humanity, they, they have no rules. Their only rule is for them and mm. their friends, right? So I think that what we need to accept is that they are highly organized because ruthlessness is organized because it's not distracted by emotions. You know, this thing that happens, I think, within progressive and leftist communities is we very correctly try to honor feelings and have nuanced discourse. And it's not effective for group change. It's effective for individual change, right? And this is something that is really complicated because I am I mean, I'm a counselor, right? Mm -hmm. I'm all about the individual change, but there is a way that we can get really swamped up in it because we all have so much trauma and the world is constantly traumatizing us. And, you know, then also you have to like, I don't know, pay your bills or whatever. So there's a way that I don't think that they're more powerful than us just because they have that ruthlessness. I think it's also because they're organized and they have a simple, clear objective, right? And, and, and I think this really gets to the essence of the whole Saturn-Pluto conjunction is they are powerful because we do what they tell us. Like if Trump was just standing on the street corner saying, we're going to build that wall and nobody did it, then he he wouldn't have power. And so I think that this exactly as you're saying is about all of us recognizing our own internal authority and then sharing it and sharing yeah. that power and using it together. Yeah. And recognizing, too, that, you know, where I may embody emperor energy to kind of like bring it back to that is, you know, I'm not an organizer. I'm actually personally terrible at organizing even dinner dates I'm not good at it like I'm just not that's not where I'm good you know we don't have to be good at all the things but we do want to really recognize okay there are other people out there who are organizers there's other people out there who can create protest songs and there's other people out there who can like do all of these different things and we can align ourselves with people and then hopefully form coalitions where we are focused on what unites us instead of the nuanced fractions of what separates us. You know, when we talk about Saturn-Pluto and when we talk about the Pluto return of the United States happening in 2021, which maybe you weren't talking about, but trust me, it's happening. (laughs) Let's let's hear it. When we talk about these things, what we need to accept is that it is time to really focus and to come together. And that if we allow ourselves to divide ourselves, we are doing their work for them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really hard to do because personally me, I'm, I have very progressive va- values. Mm-hmm. And so I might hang out with people who are super liberal and be like, oh my God, there's so many things you don't get. There's so many things I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And then not want to hang out with them again, right? Like it's easy to go there. But I think that when things are dire, we have to use different tactics. And I think things are really dire domestically and also globally. You know, I think I think we're in a rough, a rough time. Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn are both related to the sustainability of the earth and the resources that we mine and the capitalistic motivations for the way that we exploit our natural resources and who benefits and who suffers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot to take in. 
and none of us have to, you know, be the emperor of all the all the things, mm. but we do have to find our way. It's hard, but I actually do think it's possible. But it is possible only in that Plutonian way where you're willing to let go of some comforts or privileges. And in that Saturnian way, where you're willing to live slightly more austerely. Saturn is very austere, you know. And so these planets, these energies demand that you're willing to sacrifice things that you really, truly, ultimately don't need, but really, truly want (laughs) and are identified with. And that's hard. And it's not very American. You know, that's not what we as, as, as a culture do. What are some of your ideas about how to deal with this stuff? The thing that I can say really constructively is that we have agency, that it's an emperor year, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a tower year, it's an emperor year. And what that means is we can get present, accept where things are and start to take actions. And they don't have to be all the actions. Like Greta Thunberg, is that how you pronounce her last name, Thunberg? Is it Thunberg? Thun- See, I, yeah, I can't we know, pronounce We know who you are. You know who like I'm talking Greta. about. That, she's that, like a, a, a one-name person. She's a Madonna. Right yeah. yeah, she's a Madonna. Um, and so, yeah, Greta, she just started off with a sign on a street corner. That is mm. a child who started off with a sign on a street corner. And it is a global movement and it is a meaningful global movement. And there's lots of other children activists and adult activists. I I don't mean to single her out as though she's the only one, but she has um, had such a mass appeal and such a mass impact. And, you know, it started with such a small thing. And that small thing, even if it didn't have a mass appeal and a mass impact, would be so powerful still. And what I think is important within all of this is don't look for you know, being a hero. That's actually not what this is about. It's about rising to the occasion and responding in the way that you are able to. Again, it's like my my hot take on the emperor. It's like recognizing what is possible for you and responding in kind. And if you recognize that it was possible for you on Friday, but it's Monday now and it's not possible for you today, that's okay. Take responsibility. Try again tomorrow or next week or whatever it is. Again, it's about moderating your actions, which is what emperor wants us to do. You know, mm. it's not the knight of, of wands. It's not, you know, any of actually the wands cards. It's the damn emperor. It's about taking, taking action, taking hold. And I love that the emperor is so like pulled in tight I don't, does that make sense? I don't know if you see that card that way as yeah. well. No, I totally do. It's like He's organic like spanks. <laughs> like energy yes. spanks. That's the emperor. We in the new deck we need to have him drawn in spanks for Could sure. You please? Like like <laughs> someone needs to do that. Spanks with flames or something like that. But if you do that, it should have like two heads, yours and mine. Just yours and mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's it. Oh my god. <laughs> It'd yes. be terrifying it'd be a terrifying card and all the children would run and hide it's not what we want but but yeah he's got this like energy spanks vibes and i think that we need that right now we're gonna switch gears a little bit here i have one last question for you a couple little tidbits here but this one's really important which is you have a new book coming out and it is called Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. We all want to know about relationships. Yeah, we do. Tell me about, you know, what are some of the most important things that astrologers look at when, when coming to look at love and relationships? I'll what tell you was everything. For you? Yeah, I bet you will. I'll, I'll tell you everything. I, I hope you have a couple hours, maybe a day. Um, so first of all, it came out on New Year's Eve, so it's been out for less than a week, but it is it has dropped world. What astrologers, generally speaking, look at for relationships is a completely different answer than what I look at. So I'm going to tell you what I look at because my queer ass um, is all about looking at things from kind of a queer perspective. And I don't mean gay. Um I mean, queer. It's like looking at it from a different angle and with less assumptions. And I, in fact, my book is broken into three sections. It's um, friends and chosen family is one section. The second section is kind of what I call TBD dating. It's like the early months of dating or when you're just dating someone because you want to hook up with them or because whatever, it's fun and not trying to be in a long-term relationship. And then the third section is that conventional love relationship um, section. 
I have been counseling people of all genders and sexualities and backgrounds for so many years that I have kind of cultivated my own way of looking at things. And what I think traditionally speaking, astrology will tell you is that Venus is love and, you know, Mars is sex. I mean, there's a lot of things and I won't name all the things that I disagree with, but there's a layer on which that's true. But from my perspective, each and every planet is directly implicated in how we relate and who we relate to. And so what I kind of do in the book, in each section, go through each planet and I break down the planet and like what it means in the context of friendship, what it means, you know, in the next section, in the context of hooking up or whatever. And then I run through, you know, that planet in a sign and that planet in a house. So I'm looking at the love relationship implication of Mercury, of Saturn, of Pluto, you know, not just the sun or not just Venus, because I think that the way that we relate is not straightforward. So many of the people that I've worked with over the years do not partner or marry out of love. Mm -hmm. They do it because they're restless to have a child. They do it because they're scared of being alone. They do it for economic reasons. We do not marry for love consistently. And even the concept of marrying for love is very modern. It's very new. It's like a couple of few generations old, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is a lot of people stay in relationships where sex isn't a big part of their life or romance isn't a big part of their life, right? And then for more of us, and again, I apologize because I'm giving you a longer answer than maybe you want, but oh, well, it's happening. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then for even more of us, our friends, our collaborators, our work wives, our, our community, that's our family. And I think that that has been true for queers forevermore or for a very long time. And I think it's becoming more of a societal shift. Um, I think that people across demographics are really focusing on the value and meaning of their friends and their community. And so I really wanted to create a book that shared the astrology of that, because I think those relationships, our platonic loves, our friends, they are not meant to be a placeholder for a, a marriage. They are meant to be just as complex and nuanced and meaningful as any other intimate relationship. I really appreciate this yeah, queer perspective that is about more than just like heteronormative, like let's put a ring on it and live right. in a house with like a picket fence and 2.5 kids, but looking at how important all our relationships are in our life, not not burdening our, you know, love relationship with carrying all the weight of all our emotional needs, but then really being able to look at the astrological basis for all of our different relationships. It sounds like a very nuanced book. It must have taken you forever to write it. Six that months. like a lot of... What? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't months. know if I'm allowed to talk about stuff like that. I don't know what the, what the rules are. Sorry. Oh my but yeah, God. We, we were given Three six months. Planets yeah. and cap, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, to, to, be, cap. to be fair, <laughs> for sure. to, to be fair, I, I worked with a writer and she, uh, T Greenaway, she's amazing. And I spoke the book and she type, 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 write, write, write the book. And then we edited it together. So I would not have been able to do that in six months. I don't, I don't. Writing a book is a tragedy. It's so difficult. <laughs> Tell me I mean, about it. Anytime someone tells me they like writing, I'm like, what? What it's do so you do? Miserable. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh, God, I hate writing. But I do it literally all the time. You know, recently I looked through my 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 solar fire. Solar fire is the like an astrology program that astrologers use. Hmm. Um, and uh, I just was like, oh, my God. I have almost, I've just, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of client charts. Um, so it, it's really, the book is a result of my private practice and how I use astrology. And yeah, I really, I super, super love it. And my hope is if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I'm inspired to buy this book. Don't just flip to the part about like, oh, I'm a Gemini. I'm going to go to sun and Gemini, or I know my son's in the first house. I'll go to sun in the first house. Read the, the intro to the section. Because that's my favorite part of the book. I know mm. I'm not allowed to control that. 
But if I could control it, I would. You can give them a little nudge. I think that is helpful when people know where, like, where you feel like is really important. I know that I am going to be getting that book, Astrology for Real Relationships ASAP, as soon as I get off the line with you. But in the meantime, (laughs) where can we find you? And do you have any cool things coming up that we should know about? I know we're going to all tune into your podcast, Ghost of a Podcast. Any other bits and bobs that we should know about? Bits and bobs, uh... Okay, yeah, sure. Yes, I'm going to be uh, in LA and Seattle for events in the next week, but they're already sold out. So I'm not going to even mention that. Um, yeah, I'm, don't mention I'm it. not mentioning it. <laughs> you haven't heard a thing. Not from me. Um, and then I'll be at Powell's Books, um, hopefully hugging people and signing books and talking astrology on January 14th. That's in Portland, Oregon. And then what else? Oh, I'm going to be in New York. Lots of things TBD, but that will be around V-Day. That's Valentine's Day if you're nasty. So I don't know why I said if you're nasty. I'm getting punchy. I apologize. No, we're all, it, we're all ready to get nasty. Our listeners are ready to get, you're, nasty. get nasty. All right. Well, I <laughs> mean, riches. it also might be super PG-13. I mean, you never know. I don't know. But once my New York stuff is secured, I'm going to make it to Boston. And I hope to hit Montreal and Toronto. You are on a whirlwind tour. I, well, I suppose people can look that all up on your website. Yes. Which yeah, is... you can just go to my website at lovelanyato.com. It's a website on the internet. And that's where you can find just hours and hours of like podcasts to listen to. You can read lots of articles I've written in the past. Um, I have a free chart drawing tool if you're like, I don't know what house my stuff is in. There's a little free tool that you can use to, you know, figure out your birth stuff and uh, read my weekly and monthly horoscopes, listen to my podcast. What else could I tell you? Oh, I have a free app. Um, it's Dang. cute. It's it's an app for iOS, um, sad for Androids, but there it is. And it's called Tiny Spark. And it's basically like a millennial magic eight ball that I put lots of magic into and um, is insanely cute and free and there are no ads on it which i'm very aesthetically in love with um so yeah so you can do all those things and uh what else do i have going on nobody knows oh i'm gonna start doing amas you know you know ama like webinars where people can ask me anything and get readings because she's booked too far too far booked out i just am too far booked out so i'm Dang, trying to well, do that it sounds like that's the place to go for so so we have a lot of ways to contact you and yes. a lot of uh content that you have been working on for the past 20 years so yeah. to get through so <laughs> jessica thank you so much for being our inaugural guest oh my God. on our new show between the worlds we are so excited to have you and we wish you so much luck with this New book. I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me as your inaugural guest. I am so honored and so excited. And I loved our talk. So thank Yay. you. Yay. Me too. Happy Emperor Year, everyone. Woo. Come with me. So some reminders. Next week, we'll be returning to the tarot with the minor arcana beginning with the ace of cups all about l-u-v love and don't forget if you want to tap into that healthy emperor energy that wise elder energy for yourself this year in 2020 be sure to sign up for our workshop you get a lot with that your tarot your rituals your cards of the year how it works with the emperor the link is in the show notes and we hope to see you there in the meantime whoa entering into this new year is like leaving a cool dark movie theater and stepping into a blazing hot parking lot and it's already intense i'm sure you've noticed I want to give a shout out. I hope you will join me. Let's all do this together. I've been getting lots of DMs about people wanting more collective work for us all join in together and support one another. I hope you join me sending love and rain to our witch cousins in Australia with all the bushfires. We're sending our love and grief for all the animals caught in the fires. Please know, witches of Australia, that you are not alone and that we are thinking of you and holding you with us. I also send love and solidarity to the witches of the Middle East. So I know we have a lot of listeners in Saudi Arabia and Israel and Lebanon and Egypt and Iraq and Azerbaijan and Pakistan. Please know 
witches of the Middle East, that we witches of America are with you and stand in solidarity with you. Please know that we will be fighting tyranny here in our corner of the world as you fight it in yours. And we are thinking of you and we're going to be doing everything we can to bring some sanity back to the leadership of our country here in the U.S. And I also wanted to give a shout out to the witches of Jakarta, Indonesia, because I know we actually have a lot of listeners there too. And and I know Jakarta is swept up in floods right now with many people having lost their homes and their lives. Please be safe. Know that we're thinking of you. All your witch cousins here are with you. So a note for all of you in a position to help right now, we will be including some links to places you can support or get active in the show notes so we could all join together to help each other in collective support and solidarity. Oh.